Psalm chapters 15 and 16. Psalm chapter 15, verse 1. A Psalm of David. David wrote this, Jehovah, who doth sojourn in thy tent? Who doth dwell in thy holy hill? He's saying, who could possibly be near you where you live? There's two holy hills. One could be where the tabernacle was, and then another one is in heaven. The throne room of God may be on a hill in heaven. And he says, who can enter into your tent? Only the righteous. We can't be righteous unless we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ in us. Otherwise, there's no way that we can see God. And that's why in heaven, only the righteous will be able to enter. Jesus is the righteous one because he never sinned. All of us have sinned. But when he is alive in us, then he makes us righteous. But without him being in us, we can't be righteous because we have sinned. When we get to heaven, we will be wearing white robes of righteousness and Jesus will be in us. Otherwise, we could never stand before God's throne of judgment. And those who aren't wearing the white robe of righteousness, who aren't clothed in Jesus, they will be condemned to hell. And this is a sign to us that you can't go to heaven as a practicing, unrepentant sinner, because his home is holy, and no evil will enter his home. 2. He who is walking uprightly and working righteousness and speaking truth in his heart. And again, we can't be righteous unless Jesus is in us. When Jesus is in us, we will tell people the truth. We'll warn them that they need to repent. We don't have to scream or threaten people. We just simply tell them the truth. But there's a lot of Christians who are afraid to speak the truth, and it's because they don't have Jesus in them. 3. He hath not slandered by his tongue. He hath not done to his friend evil. And reproach he hath not lifted up against his neighbor. That means if you're righteous, you won't tell lies, you won't harm other people or attack other people. 4. Despised in his eyes is a rejected one, and those fearing Jehovah he doth honor. He hath sworn to suffer evil, and changeth not. A righteous man is not friends with wicked, but he honors those who obey the Lord. He won't make a covenant to do anything wrong. He remains stable in obeying the laws of the Lord. 5. His silver he hath not given in usury, and a bribe against the innocent hath not taken. Whoso is doing these is not moved to the age. A righteous man doesn't give out loans expecting a return. He doesn't charge people for things. He doesn't try to profit off of people. There's a lot of Christians who would love to have your money. And they'll ask for your money. And they don't have any shame in asking for it. Even though they're fully capable of going out and getting a job, like Paul did in the New Testament, they'll still ask for money. They want to take advantage of you. They want to profit off of you and market Jesus Christ. That kind of a person is like somebody who gives in usury. They're giving out loans. Also, somebody who takes a bribe, like say, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. They have that philosophy where they will be dishonest in order to get favors from people. That kind of person is not righteous. But the righteous who don't do these things, they will live forever because they'll go to heaven. And that concludes Psalm chapter 15. 
Psalm chapter 16, verse 1, A Secret Treasure of David. That's a beautiful title for a song. King David wrote it, and he says that these words in the song are a treasure to him. Preserve me, O God, for I did trust in thee. Trusting in Jesus is crucial. We have to really believe that he wants to save us. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't believe that. When I was young, I had a lot of trouble trusting the Lord. I knew that he didn't want me to sin, and I knew that he died for me on the cross. But ultimately, I didn't really trust him because I didn't think he cared about me on an individual basis. I thought I was just a number to him and that he wasn't really paying attention to me as a person, but he was. We need to trust him that he is with us right by our side, and he's been through it all with us. He was always there. He always cared, and he wants us to depend on him and ask him for things. When I was young, there were many things that I never asked him for that I would have benefited from had I asked him. And I'm not talking about material things. I'm talking about safety, peace, contentment, love, all of the fruits of the Spirit. Those are the things I didn't think I could ask him for. Trust is crucial in the faith. 2. Thou hast said to Jehovah, My Lord thou art, my good is not for thine own sake. He's saying, I have no goodness except the goodness that comes from you. He's giving God the glory. 3. For the holy ones who are in the land, and the honorable, all my delight is in them. The Lord says that he delights in all of the saints on the earth, everybody who obeys him. 4. Multiplied are their griefs. Who has hastened backward? I pour not out their libations of blood, nor do I take up their name on my lips. The Lord says that he will not relieve the sorrows of those who practice idolatry, those who offer sacrifices to demon gods. He will not honor those sacrifices. You can't get blessed by the Lord through practicing witchcraft or paganism. And the fact that God delights in us should be a delight to us. I think that's why these words are a treasure to King David. 5. Jehovah is the portion of my share and of my cup. Thou, thou dost uphold my lot. Your cup is your sustenance. It's what sustains you because it's your drink. And he says, I'm sustained by God alone. 6. Lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yea, a beauteous inheritance is for me. I think this means that he has territory in heaven. Not that he owns heaven, but he's saying that he will go to a place in heaven and it will be very beautiful. And our spiritual lives can be very heavenly when we obey the Lord. 7. I bless Jehovah who hath counseled me. Also in the nights my reins instruct me. His reins is his mind. He blesses the Lord because the Lord has given him wise counsel. You know, it's the Lord who teaches us wisdom and how to obey and walk in his ways. And King David loved to meditate on the law of the Lord at nighttime before he went to bed. You know that one time when he sinned with Bathsheba? He wasn't meditating on the Lord as was his normal practice to lay down in bed and meditate on the laws of God and think about his laws. That night, he didn't do his normal practice. He took a walk out on his roof, and that was when his eyes saw Bathsheba. 
we need to keep in practice with spending time with the Lord and not deviate. 8. I did place Jehovah before me continually, because at my right hand I am not moved. David is saying, with the Lord at my right side, I will not be moved. You have to follow the Lord, because the Lord isn't going to follow us. If you're placing the Lord in front of you, that literally means that you're following the Lord. And if you're following the Lord, he'll also walk on your right side because he's with you. And that's what King David is talking about. The Lord is everywhere, so he can be in front of you and on your side. 9. Therefore hath my heart been glad, and my honor doth rejoice. Also my flesh dwelleth confidently. This is what David treasured. He treasured obedience to the Lord, meditating on the laws of God, and knowing that he's following God and that God is with him. And all of this made him rejoice. When we obey the Lord, we do have a lot of joy. It feels good to know that we're pleasing the Father. Kind of like when a dog obeys its owner and it knows that its owner is pleased with it. That's how we feel when we obey the Lord. We don't think we're better than God, just like your dog doesn't think he's better than you. But he gets a really good feeling knowing that you're pleased with him. And Christians get a really good feeling when we know that the Lord is pleased with what we're doing. 10. For thou dost not leave my soul to Sheol, nor givest thy saintly one to see corruption. He says, you will not let me die, you will resurrect me. Now this is a direct foreshadowing of Jesus Christ, because it says, you will not let your saintly one see corruption. He's saying that the one who is the perfect one, his body will not rot. And that's exactly what happened after Jesus died on the cross. He was in the tomb for three days. After the third day is when the body begins the rotting process. For the first three days with all those ointments, the body did not start rotting. So Jesus was resurrected before his body saw corruption. His body never started to rot. When he resurrected Lazarus, it was on the fourth day. And that's why Lazarus' sisters said to Jesus, Oh, you can't raise him now. He already stinks. Because they thought he was going to get resurrected smelling like a dead body, like a corpse. But Jesus' body never made it to the fourth day in death. He was resurrected on the third day. So this Bible verse is a direct illusion or foreshadowing or type of Jesus Christ. And Jesus wasn't left to Sheol. Now Sheol is not hell. It's the grave in general. So Jesus went down to paradise. He did not go to hell. He went to paradise and he set the captives free who were the forefathers who were waiting for him in paradise until he would appear and say, I am the Messiah you waited for. And then they believed in him and then he took them to heaven. But he didn't take anybody out of hell. All the people who went to hell had already rejected the Lord in their own lives. But those who obeyed the Lord, like Abraham and Noah and Moses, they were all waiting in paradise, which is called Abraham's bosom. They were waiting for Jesus to appear so that they could pay homage to him and then go to heaven. The father didn't leave the son in Sheol permanently. He only spent three days there preaching the gospel and saying, I'm the one that all of you waited for. 
11. Thou causest me to know the path of life. Fullness of joys is with thy presence. Pleasant things to thy right hand forever. Now the right hand is Jesus Christ. He is the right hand of the Father. He is the strength of the Father. And he carries out all of the Father's will. Because it's your hand that does what you want to be done. So I can now see why this psalm was such a treasure to David. This is what David treasured most knowing that he's obeying the Father, knowing that he is a delight to the Father, and knowing that the Messiah would come one day and never see corruption, that he would go down into paradise and liberate David. David was waiting for Jesus in paradise when Jesus got there. David had a vision of this before he died. He had a vision of the Messiah coming and meeting him, in the bosom of Abraham, which is also called paradise, and liberating him and setting him free before the Messiah's body would ever see corruption. And that concludes Psalm chapter 16.